0: It's called Canoeing in the Mountains. And listen, in, in the first Sunday in January, and, of course, all the, all the prophets came out because this was the year of vision, 2020. That was really, you know, they really were sensitive to that. This is 2020, the year of vision. And I read all those visions, you know, and none of them have come true. It's been just the opposite. <laughs> this has been a tough year. But on the first Sunday of the year, if you remember, I got up and I said, "Dark, a darkness has come," and indeed, the whole world. And I'm not, you know, you know me. I'm not a gloom and doom. I don't, I don't like getting up and talking about how. But the fact is the fact, and and this and it's like a cloud has just descended on our country. I tell you, you almost can't. I mean, I, I, something you can watch after about it. So your heart starts racing. You start, you know. Last night I I was just about in tears. Not just mention prayer, but we, act, we We need a brokenness. The church has got to rise in these last days in prayer and fasting, and speaking to this atmosphere and changing what's going on in this in this. I'll wait on an amen. But we started a seven week series. It was called "Coming Out of Babylon." I we know we're living in Babylon, coming out of Babylon, and God gave us five words. Right? He, he said we're we are, we're supposed to be joyful, gathered. That didn't faithful together. Well, we were we were we were we were splattered, but we weren't. You know, we were scattered, but we weren't splattered. Amen. We were still together in unity and harvesting. Joyful, gathered, faithful together harvesting, and we said we need to row the boat. Y'all remember that? It's ancient history now, but that, that's where we were at. And, 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 and God gave me a strategy. And just, I mean, we were within a week or two of me passing that strat. You got it now. Passing that strategy. But the strategy, and, 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 and listen, we're passing it out today. And I know some of you think, well, Pastor Shirley, you must have changed it because everything has changed. No, because God gave it to me. Knowing what was gonna happen. So the strategy he gave me back in January works for what's happening in May. It's still May. Okay. Tomorrow's June. It'll work tomorrow. Hey, I think in terms of decades anymore. I don't I don't even know what so 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 if if God gave it to me, then He gave then it's gonna work now. Why would God give me something and then He say, Oh, by the way, I need to change that. (laughs) That's the way we do things, but it's not the way God does things. So it's there. It's out there. I want you to read it, take it home, pray over it. But we talked about canoeing in the mountains, and maybe you weren't there that Sunday. Maybe you don't remember what that was all about. But in 1803, Lewis and Clark left St. Louis with their Corps of Discovery, that group in that boat, and they set out, you know, 14 miles per hour. Can you imagine going 14 miles per hour? and they followed up the Missouri River they they only could do just you know f- 5 miles an hour or whatever it was and, uh, and and they go through that and here here's here's the goal here was their and 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 president uh, Jefferson thank you Jefferson says there's got to be a way to the Pacific it was called the Northwest Passage right I believe they would go down the Missouri climb a hill <laughs> And over on the hill, there'd be another river going into the Pacific. That's what they believed. So they get to the source of the Missouri River. It's an artesian well. It's just you know, coming up out of the ground. They could walk across the Missouri River. And they, and they look up the top of the hill, and they said, let's climb to the top of that hill. And when we get to the top of that hill, we'll see a river going downhill to the Pacific. How many know that's not what they saw? They get to the top of the hill, and here's what they saw. Uh, 140 miles of mountains. And guess what? In spite of my title, you can't do canoes in the mountains. Listen, they were trained to do canoes. They were trained to do the river. This is what they knew. This is what they thought they would do all the way to the Pacific Ocean. But now they had to trade their canoes for horses. They were off the map, literally. There was no map. They had to work with local people, amen. You know, in this day and age, we've got to start understanding the mindset of young people. We can't just sit here and say, I don't know what's wrong with these these young people. So so they were off the map, literally. Church, we're in a place, and, and if you're my age, you understand this, we were trained how to do evangelism. We were trained how to win the lost. They sat us down and said, here's how you do it. Here's how you grow a church. Guess what? We're at a place now where everything we've learned doesn't apply. I went to Lee College for four years. <laughs> I spent three years on my master's, another two years on my doctorate. I mean, they taught me the scriptures. There are things there. But when they, what they taught me how to run a church, none of that where we're going doesn't look like where we've been. And everything has changed. How many know everything has changed? They were trained for rivers, not mountains, boats. Not. We're, we're trying to reach a world that doesn't even just turn on the news and you can't. Paul said it in Philippians chapter 3. Watch. Here's what he says. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, Paul is admitting what I'm trying to tell you. I haven't arrived. Listen, one of the hardest things for a pastor is for you, the members, to look me in the eye and say, what are we going to do, pastor? And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm saying, I haven't got a clue. I don't know. I don't know. Of course, we never say that because you think you pay us to have answers. So there's that pressure that if someone says, what are we going to do, pastor, you're sp- I'm supposed to have the answer, but there's not a scarier feeling in the world than you realize, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Now, God's given us a strategy, but there's still a lot I don't know. And it's scary. It's scary to not know. You're supposed to be the answer guy. You know, I, I guess, uh, you know, our, our theme, they teach us this, is, you uh, know, I shouldn't even go amongst preachers, fake it. And sometimes we just smile knowingly. We know, but it's a uh, spiritual revelation, and I'll get to you later. We haven't got a clue. I mean, they didn't have a map. They didn't have a a road. They didn't have a way. How do you get through 140 miles? It added a whole year to the journey. They didn't know how to get through. But Lewis and Clark, here's what they said. Here's what he said. He looked up and he just looked at nothing but mountains and he said, well, guys, we are going to continue. We don't know how. We don't know how long it takes. We don't know where the end is, but we're going to continue on. All I know is go west, young man. Amen. All I know is keep putting one foot in front of the other. All I know is we're going to keep going. Come on, church, we're going to keep going. We sometimes don't know how. We don't know how to win the loss. We don't know how to communicate with a, with a younger generation that's never been to a church service. We don't understand a lot about what's going on in the world, but we cannot insulate ourselves in these four walls and say, let them go to. It's time we find a way to love them. Amen. It's time we, fi- we need to keep going. Anybody going to go with me? Amen. I know people are good at it go, pastor, go. We're behind you. Yes, but how far behind? The definition of leadership or the definition of bad leadership is you're leading, but no one's following. (laughs) Someone needs to follow. How many are with me this morning? Did I finish this? I did not. Brethren, I do not count myself to have, I haven't arrived. I don't know. But one thing, one thing I know. Here's what Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind. Listen, we could sit here all day and say, I wish God would move like he used to move. Well, he's probably not. We can't worship in nostalgia. I wish they would sing that old song. Well, come to the 930 service. We're trying to make you happy. Listen, listen, I wish they would do it. I wish that. You can know, wish on a star all you want, but times, days, days have changed, honey. Listen, last night I was sitting on my deck and I got a call from another pastor. He actually has been pastoring his church longer than me. That, that's a dinosaur. He's like 45 years the same church. And he calls me up, I guess because I'm experienced. I'm at 38 years, you know. And he, and, and, and he, said, he, said, he said, Bruce, he said, I, I got my, he didn't say how many elders he's got. His church is six elders, whatever it is. And he said, I called on my elders in the room, and I asked every one of them together. I said, what are you willing to change because our church is going to die? What are you willing to change? So we can grow and reach the lost. And I, I'm wondering, you know what the answer was? And these were the elders. Every single one of them said, Pastor, we like it just like And we are not willing to change. said, we are not going to change. Nothing, nothing. I'm not willing to sacrifice anything. We'll all just grow. We'll just all grow old together and die and last one out. <laughs> Lock the door and shut off the lights just before you die. I'm the last one. Isn't that crazy? I promise you, I, I can absolutely guarantee we have nine elders. I guarantee ask them that question. They, they may not know what you know to do. You know, sometimes I don't know what to do, but I believe every one of those nine elders would say, Pastor, whatever it takes, let's do it. I promise you, we've got nine elders that would stand by me and say, Whatever it takes, Pastor, let's do it. I'll go further than that. We've got we've got five, what we call elder emeritus. One sitting right there. I'm gonna put them on the spot. <laughs> Most of them were in the early service. Listen, we, we got five pastor emeritus. I mean elder emeritus, whatever your title is. And and and, and they're the, the the youth group in that group is in their 70s, okay? They're, they're from the 70s to the 90s. And I promise you, if I asked any one of them, they would say, Pastor, whatever it takes, whatever we have to change, whatever we gotta do, let's do. Do it! I'm willing to change. It's not about me being comfortable. It's about us doing what we have to do to win the loss for Jesus Christ. Forgetting those things which are behind and stretching forward to those things which are ahead. Are you all praying for me? I might have to apologize for going long, but I've got to preach what's on my heart this morning. I press toward the goal for the prize of the up- How many want the up? Therefore, therefore, the the, the therefore is what that's there. Therefore, let us, not you, preacher, let us, as many as are mature. Do I have any maturity here? Have this, you know, it's like how many humble people? I'm humble. It's hard to say. And if in in anything you think otherwise, God's to you. In other words, if if you're not thinking the way I'm thinking, God's going to, you're going to have a come to Jesus. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same. Wherever we're going, let's go together. Whatever we structure, let's structure it together. You know, someone said yeah, the other eagle and crows just pick. Don't be a crow. Turkeys. But anyway, let's back, back in February. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. But it's Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Not, not, not verse 1. And they. this is what happened because of Pentecost. Because the Holy Ghost came. Here's what the church looked like. How many want to know what the church looked like? How many feel like if the church looked like that at the beginning, it should look like that at the end? And, and they, they continued, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They taught and preached. In the breaking of bread. They liked to eat together. Now, there's something you can get on. And in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were and, uh, and had all things in common. They gathered and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as anyone had need. Um, part of the strategy is not to sell your house in common. Car- So continuing, say continuing, daily, say daily, with one accord, and that's in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, joy. You seeing all five of our words? And simplicity of heart. And the last verse, praising God. Having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were church didn't save them, he saved them, but he added them to the church. So God, if you if you want to look at the vision, I, I want you to just put it in your hand quick. It'll just but you see it here. That's what it looks like, and you see it, that three legged stool or three legged table and god told me back then that this this vision has 3 legs you need 3 legs you can't have a table with 2 legs not even 1 leg you got to have at least how many legs all right, if this is going to stand, we need all three legs. And the first one is worship from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 43. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I'm asking God for signs, wonders, and miracles in the house of God. I'm asking that we'll go to a new place in worship, a place we have never been before. Amen. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. If things have changed. And I don't know how long we're going to have to keep you all apart. Maybe it's better you are you are apart. I don't know. Maybe you get along better. I don't know. I don't know how long we got to do this. But listen, praise is contagious. Worship is contagious. You old-timers, you remember when we were back in the old sanctuary, that little, that little room back there, we would cram 200 people in there. We we were so cramped we couldn't praise God. And I and let me tell you something when someone said woo, everyone felt it. Someone said, Hallelujah, everyone knew who said it and where it came from. And it spread like wildfire. Amen. In the old sanctuary, man, woo, we had some services. Then we came over here and we we're all spread out and, and, and things got different and things felt differently. And they said, we left God in the old sanctuary. Well, then I guess he's still over there. Can you imagine? God's just sitting over there with his arms crossed. I wish they'd get back over here. Now, that's really kind of dumb. You know what was happening was praise is contagious. And when you put people shoulder to shoulder, if one, you know, listen, you could praise the Lord over here and this guy over here doesn't even know you said anything. And now we're spread out even more. You'd be sitting there in church and the guy, you are thinking about chicken dinner or something. And, and, and the guy next to you goes, whoa, glory to God. And you're snapped back in. And, oh, I need to be praising the Lord. I want what he's got, you know. But now we're spread out. So you know what it's going to take? It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take people coming through that door. And they're saying, I am here to praise the Lord. I don't care what song they sing. I don't care what the preacher preaches. I don't care who's sitting next to me. I am here to praise the Lord. I am intentional. I don't care if I've had a bad day, an ugly day, a good day, a long day, a hard day. I am here to praise the Lord. Come on, and that's one of the boxes there you can, you can check, but you have to be intentional. You have to make up your mind. You know, some people, they come into worship. Just move me if you can, preacher. Throw a hymnal at you. You'll move. I'm here to tell you we have got to make up our minds. We're, listen, too many people are chasing entertainment in these last days, and you need to start being a God chaser, not an entertainment chaser, and it's time to say I'm after God. And I don't care what anyone else thinks or does. I I may not be around anybody. You know, you may be here all by yourself sitting in your oldest private row. Be happy with that, introvert. But I'm here to tell you we must be intentional about worship the minute we walk. Oh, let's just back it up into the parking lot. Let's just back it up to when you got up in the morning and we need to get up with a praise. I'm going to be intentional. Listen, as I go through this, you can check these. And here, listen, I want you to, who's listening? Who's listening? You can say, you can say, I don't want to do some of this, but there's not one person sitting here, and it could be a shut-in at home today. There's not one person under the sound of my voice who could say, I can't do any of this. Don't tell me you can't. That's a lying spirit. You got some other issues, laziness. Messed up priorities. You think you're too busy. Oh, it got quiet in this house. Did we just change denominations? What happened? How many hear what I'm saying? You could decide, I'm not going to do this, but don't tell me you can't. I-, I don't know if you got it yet, so let me say it 10 more times. Clap if you hear. Thank you. It's no fun getting old. Intentional, say intentional praise we need to i got to have something we we how, how many of you are willing to say i'm going to start honoring the set i'm going to make being in the house of God, a priority. I know sometimes you have to work, and sometimes uh, uh, you, you're on vacation or whatever it is. But it's work six, work, work six, rest one. That's, that's the principle. That's how you were made. And we've got to start honoring the Sabbath, amen. In fact, we need to get to the point where, where church is the excuse for not doing other things and not the other way around. We need to, see, right now we have, we, we find excuses not to go to church, but we need to start find. we need to use church as, you know, here, here comes the family. You know, after this is all over, the family going. they're going to visit you on a Sunday morning. They're going to say, I can't go to church. No, you need to tell that family, I'm going to church. You come visit if you want. We can go to church together. Amen. Quit using excuses for going, not going to church. Going to church is what you were made to do. The assembly is what we are. We, and the power of the church is in its assembly. And it's time we honor that, honor the Sabbath. My God, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Come on and praise him. But here's the main thing. Main thing, just on section one, Oh, oh, got to hurry. I, I'm chasing way too many rabbits. That's the problem with preaching twice. You get, you, they just keep getting longer. No different, many more rabbits. We're going to start Start once a month, probably a Friday night, and it'll just go where it goes. But we're going to do a secret. Remember I told you last week that the early church met for 300 years in secret. Unbelievers could not come to church. You believe, isn't that weird? Unbel- for 300 years, they wouldn't let unbelievers come to church. You had to go through a, like a catechism for a whole year, and then they baptized you, and then they let you come to church. And they didn't go out and preach in the streets. They thought preaching was so sacred that they kept it private and in secret. Only the believers heard the preachers. So how in the world did the church grow? And it's, I don't think it's ever grown at a greater percentage than it did in those first 300 years. What in the world was it? It wasn't about what they said. It was about how they lived. And they were, like I said earlier, w- w- with Jesus and the environment they were in. Listen, the Roman Empire was a dark place, and we're entering a dark place as well. But I got news for some of you. You may just have a little light, but the darker it gets, the more your light's going to show up. People are going to start seeing things in you, and they're going to start questioning because, listen, you know why people got saved? Because the Christians went out, and they buried dead people instead of throwing them in the city dump. They would go to the city dump, and they would find orphans, and they would, not orphans, but newborn babies laying there in the trash, and they would take them home and raise them. They would find orphans on the streets and bring them into their homes. They took care of widows who otherwise would have starved to death. Come on, church. You hear what I'm saying? When the plague hit, they didn't. Run, they healed the sick. Oh, I'm telling you, there's a there, it wasn't what they preached, it was how different they lived. and the problem today. The problem today is entertainment. Listen, people are calling themselves Christians and they do not look like Christians. Well, y'all didn't hear what I said. You know why they didn't want their they didn't want them calling themselves Christians because they would bring a reproach on the rest of us. He said, don't call yourself a Christian until you, I mean, they might have been saved, whatever, but don't be calling yourself Christian until you say, oh, you're going to get tight on me now. It's tight, And that's why, you know what the catechism was back then? It was the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to do six... And I'm not going to, re- I care if there's five or 50. I-, I don't care who comes. But listen, you know who you are. But there's a remnant here in this church. And listen, revival, will, revival doesn't just fall in the sanctuary. Revival begins with a small group of people praying and seeking and fasting and being uh, God chasers and, and that falls in that group, in that small group. And we're not, we're not going to advertise. We're not going to get on Facebook and say, y'all come to Secret Church. <laughs> You're going to love Secret Church and i don't even know if that's the name i've come up with several now to help me what i call maybe it's remnant church cuz it's the remnant with that that revival and renewal is going to start amen maybe we'll call it cave church reminds me of david and his and his followers in the cave you know they went in criminals but they came out amazing people amen came out his leadership I, I thought about calling it the wild ones because it's going to get wild in there. Uh, I, I thought about talking about uh, calling it the underground church. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, but I do know this. Churches that are growing the fastest are the churches that are, that are persecuted in, in, in the world today. The fastest growing church they think is in China or maybe India where it, it costs you something to say you're a Christian. And there are no buildings, and they meet in homes and in private. They meet after everyone else goes to bed. Can you imagine? What time is church? Midnight. You have to come to church at midnight and then get up the next morning and go to work. I, I don't know. I don't know. how. It, it, may, it might just be me and Jesus. I'm going to make Michelle come. But we're we're going to have some worship. We're going to have food. That'll add twelve people at least right there. Free food, I'm there. Where where listen, we're gonna be just, we're gonna worship like they did in the early church. And and back then everyone had to bring something, and I don't mean potluck. They would everyone had to bring a song, or they had to bring a verse, or they had to bring a testimony. And and they would, they would they would be careful. They would greet one another. No, we're not gonna be making out. That's not the peace be with you. And also with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're gonna go back to the early church. We're gonna go back to the way it the way it started, and what that and it's not gonna be open to just if it's you if you're part of that remnant or or you don't even you say I want to be part of that remnant I don't even know what that looks like you can check that and well, we'll the date's not set yet but that that's that whole section on worship the second I gotta hurry up the second section is acts of kindness and you see that in verse forty four now all who believed were together they had all things in common they sold their possessions and goods divided among them all and and. Dist- to the needy. Listen, we're going to win this world by loving them, not preaching at them. I'm sorry. It's just the world has changed, and they need to see a changed lifestyle. They don't need you coming at them with the family Bible and hitting them across the face. Get saved, you sinner. We can't. We're not going to. The goodness of God leads to repentance See, goodness leads to gratitude, and gratitude leads to a different attitude. It leads to repentance. People will change because they see there's a better way. This world needs to see that there is. How many know there is a better way? You can be involved with acts of kindness. It will be a monthly thing. You don't have to do it every month, but we need people to step up and be a part of this. We're going to get out into the community and just do stuff that will blow their minds. We're going to love on them. I said we're going to love on them. But I'm also counting on you to just just act right. You leave the church, and you leave. the way you treat wait just because you're not a church doesn't mean you can act like a hazy. They need to acts of kindness of and the last one is is community. So continuing daily, verse 46, in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from the simplicity of heart, they praise God, Amen. And God at small groups. You know we're at that we're at that awkward state. We're not, a, we're not a big church. If if the church has an event, we all come. We're in that awkward state. It's not you're by just showing up on just showing up on Sunday. Maybe you could start a group, unity, so you could be a part of that. Or, and we need to love on each other more. And I believe some of you heart God didn't call you to pastor. Join that pastor. Listen, in fact, we got to roll the boat right. That's super, Pastor. I can't do this either. Listen, we all got our own boats and our inner tubes. We all go down together, but we can't go like this next video. That's me on top. And that's you on the shore saying, good job, Pastor. Thank you for taking my inner tube down the river. Thank you. I hope. He doesn't look strapped in either, does he? (laughs) That does kind of look like me. I don't think those oars are helping any Do you. I can't, I, I can't do this. We may not know exactly where we're going, but we need called us to move. And I know preachers all over the country are, we need tongues of fire. We need the wind to blow again. Because after the tongues of fire, they walked outside of Pentecost. Listen, that was, that was for for witness, not power. To. Oh, you'll feel the anointing. If, amen. You ever get Holy Ghost goosebumps? Falling out in the spirit, signs, wonders, revelations—all that's wonderful. But if it doesn't lead to our mission, then he's just pouring things. It's not getting us. And it just sit in the four walls and say, "Ooh." I, I saw this on Facebook. But listen, this this basketball is not worth a lot. <laughs> in fact, Gloria bought it, so it's probably worth about two fifty. So, where I'm not strong enough to make it bouncing. Yeah, here we go. In my hands, this thing is worthless, but you put this, put more air in it, and you put it in the hands of LeBron James. You put it in his hands, and it's worth about $35 million. It's all about whose hands it's in. Are you are you hearing what I'm saying? That you take this football, not this football, <laughs> you take this football in my hands. This is a nerf ball, it's probably worth 50 cents. Put a real football in Tom Brady's hand, and it's worth about 35000000 million. One-handed. A little high, brother. I see the headlines now. Pastor falls off platform, breaks neck, trying to catch a football at the end of his sermon. I did try. That football in my hands is worthless, but in the right hands, God has put... If you can figure out what your calling is and what God wants you to do... but. In the right hand, find your place in the body. This is just in my hands. It's just a pretty walking stick. I can give you a slingshot. Just a slingshot. You might hit a sparrow. I don't know. It's just a slingshot. But put it in David's hands, and a, dra- and a dragon, and a giant goes down. A giant goes down. Put a, put a hammer and a saw in Noah's hand, and you build a boat, and you save humanity. What's in your hands? We preached last week about Joseph of Arimathea. He had the dead body in his hands, and he had the spices in his hands. Three days later, he. no one else could do what Joseph did. No one could afford what Joseph did. Nobody else had a tomb like Joseph. Listen, you have something that no one else has. And I don't care if you're 17 or 70. There's something in your hands that's worth more than if it were in someone else's hands. You can't just say, let someone else do it. Because if someone else is like me with a football, it's worthless. We'll try to throw it, but you see how bad it was.